You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Year of the GPS, Part 5. Enjoy. 2015 at Highway Church, we're focusing on being led by the Spirit and making our life decisions based on the Holy Spirit's leading and direction in our lives. And we're calling this the Year of the GPS. And we're talking about something infinitely greater than uh, the technology in automobiles. We're talking about God's positioning system. And the reality is, is God has a prosperous path for your life. Jesus came that you might have life and might have it more abundantly. And to ensure that we experience that, God has given us his very own navigational system. And it's very simple. It's not something far away and hard to figure out. It consists of two primary elements, his word and his spirit. And those two things together are an unbeatable combination. We need both of them. We need his word and his spirit. So we, we talked about our, our purpose uh, last week as a church as we were celebrating our birthday. We took a break from our series we finished up two weeks ago in part four, so this is part five of our series today, and we're, we're growing in uh, our consciousness of the Holy Spirit in us, being led internally, not externally, not by how people treat us or what's going on around us, but this internal navigational system, God's Spirit speaking to our spirit and Him taking us forward into the fullness of life that he came to bring, all right? Now, being led by the Spirit, Satan would have you to believe that it's for the super-Christians. It's for, you know, like Apostle Paul. Yeah, he was led by the Spirit, and, and of course, Peter and John. And maybe someday you'll get there, but in the meantime, you just got to kind of plug along and wonder and be unsure and hope that maybe you get it right. But that's not true. Being led by the Spirit is for every Amen. child of God. And it's a matter of faith. We're led by the Spirit by faith. <laughs> faith is something so simple, a little child does it automatically. Little children walk in faith. They don't understand how to spell supercalifragilisticexpialidocious or they don't understand physics or, or the laws of the land, but they have a very natural faith. They, they believe their mom and dad, and they, they expect their mom and dad to feed them. They expect their mom and dad to do good things to them, and they should. That's a very natural, inbred expectation that's in us. Now, sometimes that gets messed up because we get mistreated, but it's still in there. And that natural inbred expectation for your heavenly Father to provide for you, to feed you, to do good things to you is good. And you don't have to work to create that. It's in there. It's not something for super apostles. It's for you, all right? The New Testament teaches us that we live by faith. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
it exhorts us, it says, the righteous shall live by faith. In fact, Romans 1.17, I saw this this week in the English Standard Version. I thought it was excellent. I don't think I'd ever read this translation of this verse before. Look what it says in Romans 1.17. It says, the one who by faith is righteous shall live. Just take a moment. Look at that. The one. So there are other ways you can try and live. There are other ways you can try and please God and try and be righteous. But the one who by faith is righteous lives. So this abundant life that Christ wants to lead you into, according to the scriptures, can only be entered one way, by faith. When they asked Jesus, what must we do to do the works of God? He said something very simple. Believe on the one whom he sent. Huh. That dissolves all religion, all religious concepts from our thinking. So it's a very simple thing, and it's by faith. So the one who by faith is righteous shall live. Well, faith in what? That the sun's going to come up? The sun will come out tomorrow. No, faith in the promises of God. That God is who he says he is. Yes. He did what he said he would do. Thank you, Lord. And that we are who he says we are. Right? So the one who by faith in who God is, what he's done for us, and who we are in him shall live shall be led by the Spirit. Now, we're walking with God, right? Every day. It's, so, it's wonderful to, to know that He's with us, He's in us, and that nothing can change that. So every morning when we get up, we remind ourselves of Christ in us, leading and guiding us. And He doesn't take a vacation because He never gets tired. We can take Him, that's fine. But he doesn't. Isn't that good to know? He, he never goes on leave. He's never AWOL, right? Absent without leave from the military term there. And he never, like, catches a cat nap to regain strength. That means 24-7 he's fully engaged in every detail in your life. Isn't that wonderful? He's fully engaged in the things that concern you. All right? So if we're going to walk with him, it's good to know how he operates. If we're going to be led by his spirit, we should know what his modus operandi, what his MO is, right? Well, God, the way he operates, he always starts with the word. That's how he operates. That's never going to change. So it's good just not to just to get along, to get in on it, to realize that and start to, to walk with that. In fact, in John chapter 1, verse 1, we're talking about being led by the Spirit, right? So we want to know how he operates so we can follow him. He always leads with his word. In fact, in John 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the word. Before anything was, the word is. Right? In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's how God begins. That's how He operates. That's how He moves. That's how He leads. 
All right? Now, this is powerful in Psalm 138, verse 2. The psalmist writes, I will worship toward thy holy temple. So something is motivating this psalmist to celebrate. All right? And I'll praise your name for your loving kindness and for your truth. Why? Because or for you have magnified your word above all your name. Why is that a reason to celebrate? Why is knowing that God has magnified his word above his name, why is that want to make me jump up and down? Because now I know that if I make my decisions based on his word, I'm making my decisions on an unshakable foundation. That nothing can change. That nothing can overcome. And that one wants to make me celebrate. See? So the psalmist sees this. He says, you've exalted your word, your promise to me above even your name, I'm, I'm that important to you? I worship you. I rejoice. Your loving kindness and your truth <laughs> motivate me to celebrate, right? So this is how God operates. In fact, we're not going to turn there for time's sake, but way back in the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, in verse 2, you'll see that the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, we want to be led by the Holy Spirit, right? He's leading us. That's what we're talking about. He's hovering over the waters. But no light came. We don't know how long he was there. No light came until the Word of God was spoken. Very important to understand that. The same is true in our lives. Holy Spirit's there, but no light will come until the word is spoken. In fact, the, the scriptures often liken the Holy Spirit unto anointing or oil. In Jeremiah 23, 29, I think it is, God says, is not my word like fire? What happens when fire and oil meet? So you had the Holy Spirit hovering over the waters, the anointing, the oil. And you have the word of God like fire. Let, the, let there be light. <sighs> you see what happens? Psalm 119 verse 130 says this. The entrance of what? Word. Thy words gives light. Same Psalm verse 105 says thy word is a lamp unto my feet, not thy spirit. Very important. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Why is that important? Because the spirit and the word work together. You, you can't fulfill God's destiny with your life with just one or the other. If you've got just the word, you'll become dry and legalistic. If you've got just the spirit... You, 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 you'll become confused and, you'll, and you'll, you'll head in a different direction. You need both to fulfill, fulfill your destiny. In fact, lack of the Word in our lives limits what the Holy Spirit can do in our lives. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6 
says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Knowledge of what? Chemistry? No. Physics? No. Knowledge of his word, his promises. Right? His promises reveal to us who he is, what he's done for us, and who we are in him. So he says, my people were destroyed because they don't know my promises. Now, this is one of the most, I think, uh, significant passages in Scripture. In Mark chapter 6, I think it is, uh, Jesus comes to his hometown, his home country. And here he is, the Son of God, God in the flesh. He makes the lame walk, the maimed whole, the blind see, the deaf hear. He raises the dead. And he comes into his home country. The, the, the fame of him is spreading like wildfire. But it says in his home country, he could do no mighty works there because of their unbelief. But what's important about that is, in verse 6, I think it is, it says he, he marveled at their unbelief and then he went about the villages teaching. Why did he do that? Unbelief was a problem. What did they need? The word. See? Why? Because the Holy Spirit wanted to make them whole but couldn't. He was right there waiting to take them into the abundant life, but he was blocked because the word wasn't there. So Jesus didn't get offended and walk away. He went about teaching. Mm-hmm. Amen. Same Jesus today. So anytime you're in the presence of Jesus, you're going to hear the word. Anytime the Holy Spirit is there, he's going to move you to the word. Okay? It's very important. You know, you can be, a, you can be led to a measure in your life but you can't go all the way into the fullness of your destiny without the Word. For example, I didn't know the Bible growing up, but at about 17 or 18, a friend of mine said he started talking to God and asking him to show him Jesus or something like that. I didn't really know what that mean, but when he said it, it just kind of hit my heart. It was the Holy Spirit. I didn't know that then. So I started asking God to do the same thing. And I didn't open up the Bible. I don't even know if we had one in our house. But I take these long walks and I talk to God. And he was trying to lead me the best he could. But maybe a year and a half, two years later, I actually started reading the book of John. And then, whoa. Then I started to see things and understand things. I was praying for hours for a year and a half, two years prior to that. Taking walks for hours. Talking to God. Asking him to lead me. But when I just sat down and began to read his promises to me, woo, everything changed. See? Yeah. You can be led to a measure. God is trying in every way to draw us forward into his destiny. But man, when you learn his promises, it's like that oil and fire coming together. Light comes. You begin to understand why you're here. See, when I, when I hear someone question, I don't know why I'm here or, or what the purpose is for my life, I know they don't know the promises well enough. See, when you get those promises in your heart, things unfold. The Holy Spirit takes and unfolds them and shows you who you are and why God puts you on this earth. All right? And, I, and it's important, and I, I felt the need. It's fun for me to, to, to seek the Lord each week 
and say, God, what do you want to emphasize, you know? And sometimes I'll have a different thing in mind, and, you know, I, there's a lot of things you can talk about in being led by the Spirit. I mean, there's a thousand different ways we could go. But I really felt impressed to, to, to encourage and exhort you to eat His promises, that the direction comes when you put your faith in the promises of God, okay? Now, the Holy Spirit's never going to lead you away from the Word, right? He's never going to lead you away from God's promise. His goal is to get you into the center of God's promises. He wants you to experience the fullness of them. So the one who by faith in the promises of God, his righteous shall live, we're led by the Spirit by faith. We live by faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So how does faith apply to being led by the Spirit? We believe we are sure because of what Jesus did. We're sure, we're certain that God is leading us. Amen. How can you be sure? Because he's promised to. But what about your mistakes? I mean, who are you to say that God's leading you? You know, you're not Paul the Apostle. Uh, I'm not Paul the Apostle, but I'm God's child, yeah. right? Psalm 23.1 says what? The Lord is my? Is that just for Paul? Or is that for you? That's for anyone who puts their faith in him, right? So there's a promise. So now I'm led by, I believe that's true for me. Yes. How about you? Me too. Is the Lord your shepherd? Yes. What does a shepherd do? Abuse the sheep? No. no. He leads them. Well, if he's a good shepherd, not every shepherd's a good shepherd. But we, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd, right? So we're, we believe that. The Lord is my shepherd. God, you are leading me. Amen. And guess what he'll do? Lead he'll lead me. <laughs> See? What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you've received them and you'll have them. Right? Mark 11, 24, 23, somewhere in there. So we believe these things. John 10, verses 4 and 5. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They know my voice. And the voice of a stranger they won't follow. We believe that. Right? So God, you're my shepherd. You're leading me. I shall not lack. I hear your voice. I know your voice. And the voice of a stranger, I will not follow. So we begin to say these things out loud with our own mouths. And when we do that, it gives the Holy the Holy Spirit the substance we need the substance he needs to work with, to go to work in our lives, okay? So we speak God's promises with our mouths, and it's like fire and oil coming together. It's what the Holy Spirit's waiting for. It's how we're born again, right? We say, we call on Jesus. Jesus, save me. Jesus, be Lord of my life. And the Holy Spirit acts upon the word we just spoke. So let's try it right now. You want to try it? Just repeat after me. We're just going to say some promises here. And what's important is that you believe them in your own heart. Okay? So, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. 
He is leading me. I hear his voice. I know his voice. The voice of a stranger. I will not follow. The Lord is my shepherd. I hear his voice. I know his voice. The voice of a stranger. I will not follow. He's a good shepherd. Father, thank you for leading me by your spirit every day. I thank you that I hear your voice, that I know your voice, and that I shall not lack. I want to encourage you to talk like that, to make that a regular part of how you talk and think. It will change everything. Years and years and years ago, you used to think, wow, what do I got to do to be led by the Spirit? What do I got to do? Believe it. <laughs> Believe in the promises and then speak them. Isn't that nice? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that life-changing? So simple. So in part four, two weeks ago, we looked at an Old Testament promise, which, which God gave to us and said that he was going to give us a new spirit through Christ and put his spirit in us. Do you remember that from Ezekiel? We looked at that. But it was a mystery as to how God would do this. How was God going to give us a new spirit? How was he going to put his spirit in us? Well, it was through Christ. We found that out in part four. And just to encourage you, you can go to highwaychurch.us and click on the podcast button, and you can hear all parts, all of our messages there, and it's all free at highwaychurch.us. So take advantage of that. Um, now, we saw also in 1 Corinthians 2, 12, that God put his spirit in us that we might know and experience the things he's freely given to us. So we were going to continue with uh, Colossians. So let's go, let's go to Colossians chapter 1. We're being led by the Spirit right now. Isn't that great? I, I have no doubt that the Holy Spirit led you here this morning. Isn't that wonderful? Sometimes we have no idea. We just kind of come across something, and all of a sudden, God shows us something. And we're like, wow, I, I wasn't even planning on this. I just took a left turn instead of a right, and here I am. Yeah. All right, so Colossians chapter 1, verse 25. Now, we looked at 1 Corinthians in part 4, chapter 2, where Paul's talking about the mystery that's been revealed. Now, he talks about it here in Colossians chapter 1. So we're putting our faith in the promises so that the Holy Spirit can ignite God's plan in our lives. Verse 25, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Verse 26, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. Now, I grew up in a church that told me Saints were some, something special that a church council had to meet about. And this church council had to study the life of this person. And if that person met the criteria of that council, the council would vote and, 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 and acknowledge this person as a saint. But do you know what? That's not in the Bible. The scriptures don't teach that. 
A saint, according to the Holy Scriptures, is someone who has put their faith in Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? You'll see as you read through the New Testament, the, the writer of the epistles will refer to them as saints. He's talking to, to disciples of Christ, like you and me, right? St. Brian, St. George, right? St. Joe, St. Laura, right? St. Sue, right? Isn't that amazing? So he's saying this mystery is not a mystery anymore. It was revealed, manifest to us who believe in Jesus. Are you following me? So know that when you're reading the word saints in the Bible, it's talking to those who've put their faith in Jesus. All right, verse 27. Here's the verse we want to get to. To whom God would make known. Who's he going to make this known to? To those who've put their faith in him, right? To you and me. To the disciples of Christ. To those who believe in Jesus. He would make known the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. What are the riches of the glory of this mystery? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now there's a, a lifetime, there's a wealth of strength right here. Let's see what we can do to pull it out. Help us, Holy Spirit. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So where is Christ? He's in you if you've put your faith in him. Do you believe that? Which Christ is in you? Is he a watered down version? Is he like the 2014 version? Do you need to get an update for him? Is he a beta version or something? No. It's the same Jesus that said, Lazarus, come forth, is in you now. Right? He never changes. There's no version two, right, or point three. He's the same Jesus, and he's inside of you. So now we know this, right? We know Christ is in us. Knowing that Christ is in us gives us the confidence we need to be led by God's Spirit. Because he's in us. I don't have to find him. I don't have to search and wonder where he is. He's inside of you. He's inside of me. It's internal. Now, this word hope is a very powerful. It says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, we've all probably said at one point in our life, gee, I hope so. We want something to happen. We say, I hope it doesn't rain, or I hope they win the game. That's not what this word means. Okay, this word hope, literally, as, as it is in this verse, literally means a favorable, confident expectation. It is the happy anticipation of, of good. Christ in us, the favorable, confident expectation, the happy anticipation we have of good. Yes. All right? Amen. The word glory, way back in July, again, you can hear it on our website, highwaychurch.us, click on the podcast. We did a series on glory called Glory Days. I think it was the last week of June we started. We defined the glory of God as the super natural life and power of God, all right? So Christ in us is the confident expectation we have of experiencing the supernatural life and power of God in our lives. I say that again. I want you to hear, hear what, what's being said here. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ, because Christ is in you, 
you now can 24-7 have this confident expectation, this anticipation of experiencing the supernatural life and power of God in your life. The word glory also means there, it means an always good opinion of, an always good estimation of. Who has a good opinion of you? God does. <laughs> what? Yeah, he does. An always good opinion of, it means the state of being highly favored or highly thought of. Christ in you, the confident expectation that I am highly favored by God. Christ in you is the confident expectation that you are in a continued state of God's favor and glory. Is this helping? We want to unfold this. This is, it's not something we're hoping for in the watered-down sense of the word. It's something that's in us now. So how can God always have a good opinion of us? How is that possible? We've all made mistakes, but according to this Scripture, because of Christ, He always thinks highly of us. Reminds me of Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation for who? Those who are in Christ Jesus. So we're in Christ Jesus and he's in us. Right? So we have confidence to be led by the Spirit because Christ is in us. And we know now that we're in a permanent state of God's favor. That when he thinks of us, he thinks very highly of us. So Satan would have you think that what you've done has somehow disqualified you from the promises of God, from God leading you as he leads the super Christians, right? But this verse shows us that's not so. Because whether or not we're led by the Holy Spirit is not based on who we are in of ourselves. It's based on who lives in us. So we are very Christ-conscious people. Christ is living in us. Our minds are stayed on Him. So faith in Christ in me gives me the assurance I need to follow the Holy Spirit in my life. Because Christ is in me, and I know he's not going to lead me astray. Right? So Satan will try and get you to focus on your mistakes, right? Your shortcomings. And man's religion helps him out, doesn't it? Tries to get you to be self-conscious. But, you know, you can tell how valuable you are. You can tell how valuable something is by what someone's willing to pay for it. People hear the price of Super Bowl tickets. They say, that's outrageous. But guess what? People pay for it. They've determined that that's valuable to them, right? So they'll pay thousands of dollars to sit in a seat and watch a game, right? Because to them, they've determined that value, right? If no one would buy those tickets, what would happen to the price? 
Sure, if there was no one's this king game day and no one's in the stands, those prices would drop real fast, right? Sure. So the value is determined by what someone's willing to pay for it. The demand. How much, how, how willing was God to pay for you? What did he pay for you? What was the price? His only son. What does that say about your value? See? Now I have confidence to hear his voice because I know I'm very valuable to him. Not because of what I've done, because what he paid for me. Right? Insecurity will rob you of hearing his voice. And it will cause you to vacillate back and forth. Should I do this? Should I do that? I don't know. Maybe I miss it. I don't want to miss it. I don't don't know. Is that God leading me? I don't know. Maybe it's me. Uh Uh-uh. Christ in you, the confidence you need to be led by his spirit. Amen. So it's interesting. When you look through the epistles, you'll see that Paul, John, Peter, after they were born again and filled the Holy Spirit, after in the book of Acts and following, They were very Christ-conscious people. And if there were any difference between Paul and believers today, it would just be that. He was very Christ-conscious. And it's something all of us can do. It's it's something that we are to do. Let's take a look at this. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. So to be led by God's Spirit, I want to become Christ-conscious not sin conscious. So when you go to church, you shouldn't be um, walk away with a greater awareness of sin. You should walk away with a greater awareness of Him. Yes. We all know what sin is. No one has to tell us that. And what, what many churches have ended up doing, they spend their time preaching sin instead of preaching Christ. And you end up building people who are sin conscious instead of Christ conscious. All right? So at Highway Church, we're building Christ in you. All right? Look how Paul talked. I memorized this because I, 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 many, many years ago, probably 25 years ago, because I wanted to be Christ conscious. Look what he says. I'm crucified with Christ. Ooh, what a way to live, huh? Nevertheless, now, now was he nailed to a cross at this point in time? No. What's he talking about? My mindset, the way I operate. Right. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Sounds like Colossians 1.27, doesn't it? Christ in you, the hope of glory. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. So the King James says, I like that. Who loved me, there's that value. See how he knew he was valuable, didn't he? Who loved me and gave himself for me. If anyone could have been self-conscious or sin-conscious, Paul could have been. Historically, he was one of the chief persecutors of God's people. He wanted to wipe them out, kill them. When Stephen, a man full of the Holy Spirit, doing miracles, changing people's lives, was being stoned, Saul, who was, became Paul, was standing there, thumbs up, 
right? Approving of it. That same man now is born again. He's saying, I no longer live. Christ lives in me, and I'm living on planet earth now by the faith of him living in me. Faith is an unconscious thing. And I'm thankful for all the teachings on faith because we, 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 we need to realize how important it is. But our goal is not to have faith. Our goal is to be in relationship with him. Faith comes as we just keep our minds on him. A child doesn't try and believe their mom. When the mom says, here, do you want this peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Oh, I believe that there's peanut butter between these two pieces of bread. Mom, I really believe that you put peanut butter on this bread. Mom, I really believe that there's jelly in there as well because you just told me there's jelly. What would happen if a child talked like that? Whatever you sell, I would be kind of like, what happened to the child? Right? I really believe my name is Joseph. I believe my name is Joseph. We don't do that. We say my name is Joseph. So, and that's important when you're speaking the word of God. We don't say, I believe I'm healed. We say, I am healed. healed. Big difference. We don't say, I'm going to be led by the Holy Spirit. We say, I am led by the Spirit. Okay? It's this unconscious thing because of who's promised it to you. So we're not trying to have faith. We just, we listen to what he says. We keep our minds on his promises and faith comes, right? Comes by hearing the word. Now look at verse 21, what Paul says. Love this. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Wow. So if we can achieve this this thing by our own efforts, There was no reason for Christ to come. So I'm not going to frustrate the grace of God by trying to live this life in my own strength. I'm going to rely on the one who's living in me. I'm not going to try and pray harder. I'm not going to try and fast more and do all of these religious things. I'm going to rely on the one who's living in me. It takes the pressure off of you. It's not by works, lest any man should boast, right? So fulfillment of God's plan in your life is not based on your efforts, but it's based on Christ who's living in you. Proverbs chapter 3, our last scripture. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. We're going to look at it in two translations. We'll start the King James. I think this was my very first scripture that I ever memorized back in the day. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in who? Where is he living? In you, yeah. With all thine heart, and lean not unto your own understanding. Don't try and figure this thing out yourself. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Where does he live? In you, and he shall direct your paths. Where is he going to do that from? In you, right? Now, the word acknowledge here, it it means literally accept 
recognize, confess, and declare to be true. The Amplified says it this way. Lean on, trust in, be confident in the Lord with all your heart and mind. And do not rely on your own insight and understanding. In all your ways, know him, recognize him, and acknowledge him. He will direct and make straight and plain your paths. Now, we started Highway Church a year ago. It was very apparent to me when we came to New England almost 20 years ago, there was a great need here for churches that taught people to be Christ-conscious, not sin-conscious. And I want to help you in that area, and that's why Highway Church is here. We're thankful for the body of Christ in every church. Any church that teaches someone to put their faith in Jesus, we're thankful for that. And you know, if you go back to the old covenant, um, you had... God leading his people by his spirit. Where did he want to take them? Into the promised land. And uh, he said, he, they were on the, the, the borders of the promised land and they sent one man in from each tribe to go spy it out and see what it was like. And they came back unanimously, unanimously saying, it's everything God said it was. It's flowing, a land flowing with milk and honey. But only two of those men, Joshua and Caleb, believed that they could take that land because there were people living in that land that didn't want them to have it. At least that's what they thought, that they would have to fight and deal with. And the other 10, so that's 10 tribes out of 12, right? Like 17%. Only 17% of God's people were willing to believe what he said to them. Now, when I look at the body of Christ today, I'm kind of wondering what that percentage is. Where is it in the Scripture said, when the, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith in the earth? And I'm saying that to you because you can go to a lot of different types of churches. You can make decisions to go to church based on the music or based on the people or based on the location. I have made decisions to go to church based on one thing, the Word, because God always starts with the Word. I know if the promises of God are being, if I'm learning who God is, what He's done for me, and who I am in Him, everything else will follow. All right? And I say that because there's a lot of things being taught. For example, you can go to a lot of churches, you ask them, you'll say, um, does God heal? And most churches will say, God can heal. Of course God can heal. But you'll say, is it God's will to heal? And they'll say, well, some people don't get healed, so no, it, you know, God doesn't always heal. And that's an, a wrong statement. Why is that wrong? Well, we could say, does everyone get saved? Has there ever been one person that didn't get saved on earth? Sure. Should we conclude from that it wasn't God's will to save them? How do we know? John 3, 16, God so loved the world, every single person. 
he gave his son. So we can't make decisions about God's will based on what happened in someone's life. We make our decision what God's will is based on the word of God. Talking about being led by the Spirit. So we know it's always God's will to heal because of Jesus. He clearly revealed it is God's will for your body to be well today. All right? Another thing that's taught, and, and these things will stop you from experiencing the abundant life Christ came to give you. And they're loving people who may teach these things. They're nice people. But they're not the Joshua, Caleb bunch that went into the promised land and said, I, that Jesus, he himself bore my sicknesses, carried my diseases, and with the stripes of... See, how can you have faith and confidence to be whole if it's not God's will for you to be whole? You can't, right? Another thing that you'll hear in many churches, not putting them down, just want you to be aware. We want to become Christ conscious. And there's a very popular Christian book that came out years ago that taught definitively that every accident, every sickness, every disease is a part of God's plan for your life. I remember, I, I remember hearing all the excitement about the book, and I got the book, and I was like, wow. And I went through, and I underlined these passages. And I said, look what's being taught in this book that's so popular, that so many Christians are eating up. Now, how do I know that's not true? I go to Jesus. We go to the Word. In the ministry of Jesus, he did not accept everything that happened to him. He rebuked storms. He rebuked devils. He rebuked sickness. He rebuked disease. He taught us to pray for God's will to be done in the earth just as it is in heaven. See? Why did he tell us to do that? Because God's will is not automatically done in the earth. We have to speak with our mouths, believe. We're living in enemy territory, right? So you've got to be very careful. You're, everything happens for a reason. You ever hear that in a church? I've heard that. Is that true? What's being implied there? That God is behind it all, right? That, that it's all a part of God's master plan. Wrong. Jesus didn't teach that. Yes, everything does happen for a reason, but it's not always God's reason. Satan has schemes and strategies against you. So if I go to a, a house of worship and I'm learning that everything happens for a reason, what's that going to do? That's gonna, I'm going to let my guard down now. I'm going to accept things as being from God that are not from him. How can I be led by the Spirit when I'm accepting the devil's schemes in my life? It's going to block me. It's, I'm going to be stopped on the path that God has for me. Because I'm told that this is from God in my life. So we're Christ conscious here at Highway Church. Not self-conscious, not sin conscious. We're, we're, our minds are stayed on Him. So repeat after me. Father, thank you. You are our shepherd. You're leading and guiding us. By your Spirit. We hear your voice. We know your voice. The voice of a stranger. We will not follow. Jesus Christ, you are living strong in us. Christ in us is the confidence we have of experiencing God's plan and God's purpose for our lives. Amen. 
At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. We invite you to take God at His word, embrace who He is, what He's done for you, and who you are in Him. Put your trust in Him today and taste and see how good He is.